This is a podcast from Hope Church Gainsborough. For more information, visit www.hopechurchgainsborough.co.uk. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for the opportunity that we've got this morning to just come together in freedom and just be able to enjoy your word. Lord, we pray that you might open up our hearts and our minds. And that, Father God, we might see something more of your beauty this morning. Lord, too, that your Holy Spirit might move and that lives might be changed. Lord, we just ask that you might just fill us up and just encourage us in all that you've got to show to us, all that you've got to say to us this morning. And we ask, Lord, that you might just bless us as a family as we just enjoy this together as one. Bless us, we pray, for we ask these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 2 Kings chapter uh, 4 and verse 1 through 7, uh, a beautiful part of Scripture. Um, we've been looking at having a teachable spirit, haven't we? Anybody feel like they're making way for a teachable spirit? Anybody 100% have a completely happy, 100%, no qualms asked, teachable spirit? Glad nobody put the hand up. <laughs> But you see, over the last few weeks, we've been looking at this, trying to encourage our hearts and our minds to just be receptive to what God's got to say to us, to be receptive to learning, even though sometimes we feel like we've got nothing left to learn. Anybody else feel like that? In areas of our lives, don't we? We can have things that we think, well, I've got nothing left to learn here. But I believe that the Lord's telling us that we've always got something to learn. There's always some way to grow and there's always opportunity for growth. And I know John uh, tied in with the theme last week um, as we were away. And we're looking at this because it's oh so important as Christians. You know, we can so easily become wrapped up in our own little world that we take our eyes off the fact that there is things to learn. We become wrapped up in what we have to do on a day-to-day basis. Anybody else good at that? Fantastic at it, aren't we, as a people? So much to do, so little time. This is what has to be achieved today, and that's what I've got to do. And we forget, don't we, that there's actually lessons to be learned in all that we do. We're not perfect at everything that we do. In fact, most of the time, if you're anything like me, far from perfect. And in our Christian walk, we should be continually asking God to grow us spiritually in maturity, helping us to learn, to be ready and willing to learn. Ready and willing to learn and to grow. Because if we're not, we're a closed book. And that's it. But the Bible tells us that it's progressive, that everything that we do, we become cleaner. Everything that we do for him, we become more like him. Everything that we do is supposed to be progressive in our Christian walk. We are not perfect this side of glory, amen? (laughs) Nobody's perfect this side of glory, apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. But one day, we will be in that perfect place. We will be with our perfect saviour, and everything is going to be all right. Amen. But right now, on planet Earth, where sin is rife, it is difficult, isn't it, to live as the Lord has called us to do. But we want to have a teachable spirit and an attitude that reflects that. And this morning's portion of Scripture is really 
where I want to, to, to camp out on the sense that this is our pinnacle. This is the moment, okay? The zenith. I know. But this is where really I want to finish the series for now that we've been looking at, but we probably will uh, pick this back up maybe later on in the year or the beginning of uh, next year, uh, should the Lord allow it, unless he's come back to fetch us. Or he's called us home. Either way. But if this is what the Lord requires, then this is what we'll do. So this morning, this portion of scripture is one of them that I've read before. I've seen before. In fact, I studied Elijah and Elisha last year for, for camp, actually, particularly, was in my mindset of where we were going. Elisha is a prophet that's taken over from Elijah, a real man of God, okay? Both of them so much so. But Elijah, well, he, he was big shoes to fill as far as Elisha was concerned, he, he would not leave until he got his blessing. He would not leave Elijah's side until he got what he needed off of him because he knew that the work that he was about to take on was big. And as a prophet of God, he was called to do a particular work. And this morning, well, we're caught in a quite tragic story. Quite a tragic story. It's a, a moment of sadness, of real desperation for a woman whose husband has died. He worked for Elisha and for the other prophets. He was a guy who would have known the Lord. He would have known what he was called, what his calling was. He knew what he was supposed to be doing, but it was time for him to go home. And Elisha here is presented with his now widow in a desperate situation. Just read what it says with me. The wife of the man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my boys as his slaves. Hard to even grasp that scenario, isn't it? She's got nothing. Absolutely nothing. And the only way to pay her debt, seemingly, is to allow the boys to be taken. What can she do? So she goes to Elisha and pours out her heart to him, debt that's been accrued over the years, and she's got no income in order to pay for that debt. And the chapter opens with just harsh reality of life, doesn't it? Harsh reality of life. Let's not just think the situations that we have to go through today or maybe tomorrow or in the weeks and months to come or the weeks that have passed. Let's not think that they're isolated just to you and me. These situations are rife. That is life indeed. But can God work in this situation? I say, can God work in this situation? He absolutely, absolutely can. Elisha, immediately, as she comes with this question of, what am I going to do? Elisha immediately comes to her and says he's ready to help. Just listen at his language. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Straight away. No ifs, no buts, no maybes. How can I help you? That's how I read it. There are two ways to read it. How can I help you? Isn't there? There are two ways to read it. But of course, as we read it in the, way, in the way that it seems to be that it's written, how can I help you? Tell me. 
What do you have in your house? He doesn't allow her to answer. If it was, how can I help you? She'd be like, well, you're surely a man of God. Surely you can do something. But no, his reply is, how can I help you? What a great heart. Church, that's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to do. Widows and orphans. This is what we're called to do. To say, how can we help? And that's a, a sometimes very much so on a Monday through a Friday, through a Sunday, through a Sunday. That's a heart transplant for us because our nature is, I can't, what can I do? Praise God, Elisha didn't go back to her with that. He said, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? And church, the response is heartbreaking. Listen to this. Your servant has nothing there at all. I have nothing. Anybody else feel like sometimes they've got nothing left? Anybody feel like they've got nothing left to give? You're obviously all far more advanced than I am. But so often I find myself before the Lord and I say, Lord, I've got nothing left. I don't know what to do. What else do I do? I've got nothing. And I was encouraged by a conversation. And I guess when the Holy Spirit works and the Holy Spirit moves, you, you, you delivered the answers, aren't you? So often I find myself in conversations that I, I, I don't know what to say. How do I respond to that? And interestingly, when somebody says, I've got nothing, sometimes all we have to do is say, okay, you can see nothing, but let's just change the slant a little bit. Let's just have a look at what you do actually have. Let's have a look at the fact that you have woken up this morning, that you've taken a deep breath, you've popped your slippers on, You've got yourself out of bed. The birds are singing. The trees are green. The grass is green. The sun's shining. It might be behind the clouds, but it never stops shining. And you start to realize that there is something. I just can't see it for all this nothing. And Elisha says to her, what have you got? She says, I've got nothing. And it's almost as though he says, no, come on. And she says... Except a little oil. I've got absolutely nothing. Nothing at all, she said. And Elijah's gone. Right back in the pantry. Anybody else used to have a pantry? Anybody still got one? I remember at our old house on 151 Crescent Road, Hugglescote, Coville, Leicestershire. Then were the days. My mum had a pantry. It was the darkest, coldest place you could possibly ever want to go. And in there were, I like to believe, murkies, which are ghosts and ghouls. (laughs) They don't exist, church. But when you were six years old, they are frightening. They're not the place you want to go. There were spiders in there that were bigger than me. I do not do spiders. But in the back of the pantry, in the back of the cupboard where nothing is, there is, well, there's a little oil. I've got nothing. I have nothing. But as she starts to look at what she does have, 
she finds out that there is something. And sometimes when we stop looking at what we don't have, and we start looking at what we do have, because out of what we do have, we will find life. Amen? Out of what we do have, we will find life. Whatever that life throws at us, when we stop looking at what we don't have, when we start looking at what we do have, then we find life. She has to think. She has to think hard. And way back in the cupboard, there is an opportunity for life. And verse 3 is just incredible. Elisha said, go round and ask all your neighbours for jars. Go round and ask all your neighbours for jars. Then go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons, and pour oil into all of the jars and as each is filled put it to one side now she's thinking to herself he's crackers how do I know she's thinking that I'm not just guessing look at what she does she left him afterwards she shut the door behind her and her sons they brought the jars to her and she kept pouring now you can easily miss it Who brought the jars to her? Her sons. Now, why is that interesting? He's crackers. You're going to ask neighbours for jars. I ain't going. I am not going. You can go and I'll wait here. Anybody else got a mum like that? She used to send me on errands, I'll tell you. I've got £1.25, but it's two quid, mum. Go. Okay. (laughs) Then were the days, I tell you. But here she says, she goes, she does exactly as Elisha says to her. Get as many jars as you can. And there's a real vital point as well in there. That she shuts the door. Why is that important? You know, so often in our lives, we're so keen to just pour everything out to absolutely everybody. Church, you're not like this. I'm just saying it's potential. Okay? We pour everything out to absolutely everybody, but we're never actually willing to shut the door and deal with the problem. We're never actually willing to shut the door and deal with the problem and say, Lord, I need you. We're going to have to have a moment. Psalm 46.10, I'm going to have to be still and I'm going to have to know that you're God. And what does being still mean? Sometimes we have to shut the door. Church, sometimes we have to shut our mouth. That's a hard task for me. And I have to be quiet. And I have to listen. And God has to say, right, Matthew, it's time. This teachable spirit that you've been talking about, this teachable spirit that you've been preaching about, it's time to start putting that into action. It's time to listen. Shut up and listen. I need that daily. She's told to shut the door. And she shuts the door behind you. They bring the jars to her. And it says in verse 5, and she kept pouring she kept pouring church can you imagine that situation I'm about to lose the nothing that I didn't have her nothing was about to become even less because her boys were going to get taken from her she didn't realize she'd got something she didn't realize at all she'd got something but in her something out of nothing she starts to pour and she pours and she pours and one jar then the next jar then the next jar then the next jar can you imagine the amazement where is it coming from 
What I find incredible too is that the oil doesn't run out until there's no more jars to fill. The oil does not run out until there's no more jars to fill. She'd still be there today. If she got jars to bring, they would still be being filled because God's provision, God's sustenance, God brings about what needs to be done. And when he says, I will fill the jars, you bet he's going to fill the jars. You bet that he's going to fill them to the point where they're absolutely brimming. And when the jars run out, then it says in the original that the oil stayed. That was it. She says, bring me some more jars. There's nothing left, mum. You've had all the jars. There's no more neighbours to annoy. We've had the lot. We have literally been around the entire village. That is every empty jar we could find. And out of a nothing came something. But what I find incredible about this passage is that this woman's faith and obedience, even though we can see that from her heart she must have thought Elisha has lost the plot, We can see that she operates out of something so important and we talk about it so often. What does she operate out of? Faith and obedience. Elisha tells her what to do. She goes and does what Elisha says. And then she does something impressive. When she's filled all the jars, she still has no idea what to do. Why would she not know what to do? Well, of course she wouldn't know what to do. She's just poured out from an empty jar into an empty jar and filled all the jars. Well, how would you know? I'd be in that, I don't really know what I'm doing, but they just, these just keep filling up. Says, <laughs> so I'm just, they're all full. Right, okay, so Elisha, I, 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 she went to the man of God and she, he said, right, I'll tell you what you're going to do. You're going to go and take all those jars. You're going to sell all that oil. You're going to pay your debt off. And then whatever's left, You're going to live on, you and your sons. God provided for that woman in the most incredible, amazing way. She had to do all the way through. Her faith and obedience had to be in place. Because I guess naturally you think to yourself, well, okay, we can sort of start paying the debt off and, and keep as much as we possibly can. But the heart is that you pay the debt off. And then whatever's left, That will be enough. That will be enough. That's something that should sit on our hearts, isn't it? That God will always give us what we need. Church, not always what we want. I want all the jars. But sometimes we have to realize that God will give us what we need. We need to trust God. We need to shut the door. We need to shut our mouths and church, we need to pour. And when that starts to happen, then we start to pour from nothing and something comes about. I think it's then moments in life when we find ourselves on our knees, perhaps thinking we've got nothing left to give when God does the most through our, through our lives. Sometimes when we're literally at the edge of all I feel like I've got, I've got no more. And God says, here we go. Why is that the case? Did you see that I missed a word out when I said about the jars? In verse 3. Go round and ask all your neighbours for what? Empty jars. Go round and ask your neighbours for empty jars. Church, why is that so important? 
God cannot fill what's already full. And here's the teachable spirit, church. Because when we say to God, Lord, I want you to teach me, show me, help me, grow me. And he says, there's no room for me. There's no room for me. I'm trying desperately to help you, to teach you, to show you, but your life is full of everything except for me. And I'm tagged on to the end with just a millimeter. And I can't do what you want me to do. And so often in our lives, we find ourselves grasping around, looking for the answers, trying to tag God onto our lives, giving him the last few millimeters to fill and expecting him to do incredible things. And he says, Matthew... (laughs) I told you last week to shut the door. I told you last week to be quiet and you needed to learn and and we're a week down the line and you're still not listening. You need to empty yourself of what? Me. Pride. Selfishness. The things that pour into my life that take over my life. God cannot fill what's already full. The key to the verse is that it's empty jars. And this morning, church, if we want God to do something big in our lives, then we have to get to a point where we empty ourselves of the pride, of the selfish ambition, of the sinful desires, and we come to God. We come to God with a heart that says, okay, I'm ready to shut the door. I'm ready to keep this closed and I'm ready to listen to what you have got to say. And he always, but always, but always will fill an empty jar. If an empty jar is brought to him, what will he do with it? He will fill it right to the very last one when there's nothing left to bring. And church this morning, that's our teachable spirit. All that we've looked at over the past few weeks culminates in the fact that we have to rid ourselves of us. That says, I know best. That I know what I'm doing. That I've got this all in control. I know what needs to happen. I'm fully aware of all that needs to be. And we say, God, you know. You're in control. And that's heart and that's mind. Because otherwise we're in a mess. These have to, have to line up church. And as we continue to grow as a church spiritually, we ask the Lord that he might help us to have that teachable spirit. God cannot fill what's already full. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, this morning we just want to thank you for your word. Father, for the fact that it has so much to show us. That Father, through this story of this widow that was in desperation, That, Lord God, that you provided for her, that she listened and in faith and obedience did what you called her to do, even though she felt like she had nothing to give. Father, out of her nothing, you brought something. And I just pray this morning, Lord God, that we would come to you as empty vessels. Father, ready to be filled right to the very top of you. Father, that our hearts and our minds might be clear and that we might allow you to do what you do and that out of our nothing, that Lord God, that you would bring about something. Father, we just praise you. We want to lift your name high and we thank you for all that you do for us. Father, for those this morning that are perhaps struggling just with life, that Father, you would speak into their hearts that you are Jehovah Jireh, the great provider. 
And that, Father, you will not leave us nor forsake us. That's your promise. Father, you do not go back on your word. And this morning I pray that you might just lift hearts and minds, that your Holy Spirit would move. And that we might just realize this morning that we are loved beyond measure. And that we would just come to you ready to be filled to the very fullest measure. Bless us, we pray, Father, if we ask these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been a podcast by Hope Church Gainsborough. For more information, visit www.hopechurchgainsborough.co.uk.